Okay. So we are continuing on in the series we're doing called Go Eat Popcorn. I know it's a funny name. Uh, I'll explain that in a second. You'll notice it's part 20, so I do very long series. Um, But some of you will be very happy to know after today there's only one more left in this series. And then we'll, we'll start a new series. I know what I'm, I'm already know. So it's good to have to, I like series because they keep me focused. Um, the next series is going to call Be the Church. And we'll expand a little bit on what we learned back in Ephesians. So, um, going popcorn is for you to remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Four letters that Paul wrote to the churches, four of them, um, where there's so many amazing foundational truths on how we're to experience this life that we have in Christ. And so we've been digging into it together. In Galatians, you know, I wanted to make sure we understood that this life that we live is is lived in response to the love of God for us, not in us trying to live in a way to get him to respond to us. And so that's significant in how we live. In Ephesians, it was really about our identity in Christ and understanding who we are, especially as the church. And so we are the church. You're, when you're, right now, you're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church. You're just the church on mission. And the idea is to stop thinking about church as something you do, but understand that church is something you are all the time. And that really impacts the way that we live. Then we moved into Philippians. And I said, you know, with the, in light of Galatians and Ephesians, Philippians is all about changing our attitude and our perspective and learning to think more like Jesus. And now we're in Colossians. Uh, we'll be in the third chapter today. We're going to talk about the importance of reading and spending time in the Bible. The overriding theme of Colossians is about living out the gospel, living out this amazing life that we have in Christ. So that's where we're heading uh, today. A couple of bad jokes uh, normally we'll do here in the transition time. So let me start with this one. Ornithologist. And before I do that, you know, an ornithologist, you know what that is? It's somebody who studies birds. So you have to know that so that you pay attention to the rest of the joke. All right. Ornithologists have recently been studying if cannabis has any effect on seabirds. They've left no turn unstoned. Oh, it was very good, and you didn't hear it. I'm, uh, never mind. Listen, if you ever go to somebody's house, and they have the banner of the former Soviet Union hanging on their wall, that's a big red flag. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a good one. Alice and I were arguing about which vowel was most important. I won. Okay, never mind. Scripture reading. It's Colossians three twelve through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message or the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. 
powerful passage. And as I was reading and, and uh, preparing for this week, uh, I'm doing exactly what I've encouraged you to do throughout this series. Is what I, When you sit down to read, ask the Holy Spirit, pray, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate to me what you want me to see in your scripture today? And he does. What, what, where do you want to take me in this journey? And so there's so many things that I could talk about in that passage, but what popped out at me uh, was this idea of letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That, that's what I was to talk about with you today. So let's do that. Let's uh, start by talking about the word. Point number one in your notes is the word and what that means. So, if you've been uh, here for any length of time, you'll know that one of the things that I'm encouraging you to do often is to spend time in your Bibles. I want you to read your Bibles. Um, because as we read, we grow in our relationship with the Lord. And sadly, the church, you know, all of us, um, uh, are not reading the Bible the way that we should. There was a statistic, one of those ones that really upsets me. 64% of churchgoers rarely or never read the Bible. 64%. Now, I'm, I'm hoping that our numbers are different. But the reality is that um, sometimes we don't understand how important it is to be reading the Scripture. And we get distracted. Part of the big reason for that is we have a very real enemy who does not want you to spend time in this book. And so he he's very, you know deceptive and he throws little distractions out there and it just becomes hard for us to understand and give it the value and importance that we should have in our lives but for us to grow deeper in our relationship with our savior we we need to grow deeper in our relationship in the word and what that looks like let me read this verse to you again colossians 3:16 let the word of christ dwell in you richly As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So the Word is to dwell in us richly, and how important that is. And so what we need to do is we we need to stop uh, thinking that reading the Bible is some sort of task or obligation that we have. I think a lot of people approach it that way. But, but the Bible is this amazing book that God has given us, and, and reading it is part of this adventure that we're on. And so you, you need to, to understand it in, in that context, that the book is supernatural, that, that it's not like other books or anything else like that. The Bible um, was written over a period of time from, so, so about 1,500 to 2,000 years is how long it took to complete the Bible. Um, the, it's comprised of 66 books written by 40 different authors, around 40 different authors. Uh, and so even though it was written by, by people, uh, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and it's like no other book because it's alive. So think about if you, if you went to the library, if we all went down to the library and we picked out 66 books at random by over 40 authors, and then we tried to make them into some sort of cohesive reading, it couldn't be done. It's, it's just not possible in the natural. It couldn't happen. But the Bible is like that. It's that kind of story because it's super natural. It's, it's more than just a book. It's God's book. It's his story to us. And, and so we, we have to first understand that, that there's nothing like any other book that you've read. It's not like you read this one time and you put it down. So, yeah, I read the Bible. Uh, I hope you read it, and I hope you pick reading it and keep reading it. And I, I read through this book a lot, and the amazing thing is that because it's a supernatural book, I, I, I learn different things about God all the time as I read it. So you have to you know, embrace and, and, and take that in as part of what's going on. The, 
I think about it like this. So that's a big period of time, 2,000 years. If you were to say every century, you took two or three musicians and you recorded them and what they were doing. And then you, so you did that in one century for 100 years. And the next 100 years, you got three or four more. And the next 100 years, you got three or four more. And you did that for 15 centuries. And then you, you took everything that you recorded to put it together. Um, what the Bible is like, it'd be a perfect symphony that worked absolutely perfectly. And you, and you obviously know that the chances of that happening in the natural but just aren't going to happen. It's a supernatural work that God has done for us in the Bible. And so I want you to take the whole thing in. Now, sometimes the other thing people will do is, oh, we're New Covenant people, so we're just going to read the New Testament. And in fact, we are New Testament people. But we're also uh, the whole covenant. We're the whole book people. And, and so you have to read the whole thing. You have to take in the, the Old Testament as well. And, and uh, so I want you to think about it like this. Have you ever been to a jewelry store and you wanted to look at a, like a diamond or a fine piece of jewelry and, and you watch what they'll do is they'll put it on black velvet and set it out in front of you or black, some sort of black material. And what happens then is against that background, the brilliance of the, the stone pops out. Well, see, when you read the Bible uh, and you, you read it, uh, uh, the backdrop of the Old Testament and you read about Jesus, his brilliance pops out. See, it's, it's a perfect background for Jesus because it tells us all about him. And so you, you need to be looking at it that way. And, and you read about who Jesus is from, from beginning to end, and you realize that, that he's the hero that we're all looking for. All the movies and stuff that are coming out, a lot of them are superhero movies because people want a hero, but we've got a hero in Jesus, and he's perfect, and, and, and he's faultless, and he's done everything that God asked him to do, which was to come and make a way for us to be reconciled back to him, to be redeemed. And so Jesus is our hero, and this book is just filled with stories about our hero. And so I want to encourage you to sort of go at the Bible that way, that, that it's this amazing journey that you're on, and ask the Holy Spirit to really open it up for you so you can see some of the amazing things that happen. So Paul tells us that we're to let the word dwell in us richly. That's point number two. Let it dwell in you richly as um, you, you read it. So that means you're, you're supposed to think about it. And you're supposed to pray about it. You're, you're supposed to take parts of it and then process them through the day. I, I encourage you to do that all the time. You're t- I'll, take a, I'll take a verse and I'll just think about it for a day or a week or a month. I've looked at some verses. Some, I just meditate them on them for years sometimes to just how they're so amazing in the process. But the, the Bible is so cool when you, when you stop and think about it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you some of the things that are going on. So I want to share a couple of stories with you out of the Old Testament in light of what we're talking about. Because I love seeing how all this stuff ties together uh, in the process. So let's start with uh, one story. Uh, back in Exodus, and it's the time where uh, the people of, of God are, uh, the, the Israelites, uh, they're in a period of time where Moses has gone up to the mountain to spend some time with God. And Moses has gone for 40 days. And the people of Israel, they get frustrated at where Moses is, and so they try and take matters in their own hands. And so they go to Aaron, and they say, look, make us a God that we can sort of control, and we can worship now. We don't know about this Moses or where he's gone. It was hard for Moses to catch a break. And... Uh, 
And he's hanging out with God. And in fact, what Moses is there with God is, is he's taking stone tablets and God is handwriting by the finger of God. God's writing on these tablets, the Ten Commandments. But the people get tired of waiting. And so they, they tell Aaron, make us our own God. And he says, give me all your gold. And he fashions from the gold in a fire this golden calf. Most of you have heard about the golden calf, right? And then they start, you know, worshiping this golden calf. And they're singing and they're dancing. And, and Moses starts coming down and he begins to hear what's going on. So let me read you what happens, beginning in verse 15, chapter 32. Moses turned, oops, I hit the wrong button, I hit it when I did that, and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it's not the sound of victory, it's not the sound of defeat, it's the sound of singing that I hear. And when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, uh, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. Now, this is significant because there's a story that's going on here. So, what's taking place? Well... These uh, two stone tablets that God himself wrote on, that's the first scripture really that's ever written. It predates everything else that we have. And it's the Ten Commandments. And it's the first time that the Word of God is written down. Uh, God writes this down, uh, on these Ten Commandments. So for the first time, we have the Word of God in physical form. It's the first time that it happens. Um, now... The Word of God is eternal, we know that, and it represents Christ Himself. Uh, we know that because the Apostle John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. And also in John 1.14, it says that the Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So back in our Old Testament story, we have, we have the Word of God written on stone tablets. And Moses brings, this, this is the word, so Moses brings these precious tablets down the mountain with him. And what he sees is the people engaged in this horrific sin. Uh, it's horrendous. And, and he's so upset by it that he throws these tablets down and they break into pieces. They're broken in the process. It shatters them. Now, this teaches us something. And what it teaches us is this is that um, because of the sin of people, the Word of God in physical form is broken. Think about that. The Word of God, after being given physical form, is broken. It's shattered because of the sin of the people. But God won't allow that to continue because the Word, um, it, the word itself is eternal. In, in the reality, it can't be broken. So God commands Moses to bring him two new tablets. A few chapters later, Exodus 34, 1. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So there's a pattern going on there, and it's something that you need to see. So the pattern is this. The Word of God can be broken because of the sin of the people, but it can't remain broken. It will be remade anew. And when you look at that and you step back, what's that the story of? It's the story of Christ. It's his story. If you think about it, because the word became flesh, uh, so the word had physical form in Jesus, but because of the sin of the people, what happens? What does Jesus say? This is my body, broken for you. But because the word is eternal, it can't stay broken. So what happens? God resurrects him 
The word is resurrected. But the picture of that happening was way back in the book of Exodus. It runs throughout the scripture. These illustrations are happening throughout the scripture that we need to see. Um, let me give you another one real quick. I'm, I'm, going with, I'm going for it anyway. Go for it. So we shared this once before, but this is a great story. Let me read it to you, uh, and then we'll talk about it. Verse 22 of Exodus 15. Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went on into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them um, in the process. So what happens here is this. The... They've just been delivered, the people of Israel, from 40, 400 years of slavery and bondage. They've just gone through the Red Sea. And they've watched the Red Sea part for them to go through. And they've seen the Red Sea collapse on the armies of Pharaoh. And they're set free. They're rescued. First time ever. But then God starts them on this journey and he takes them out into the wilderness. There's a lot of people to take care of. And you, you would think, why would you go to a wilderness? But God wants them to know that he can provide for them and they can trust him. So off they go. And they go three days into this journey and they have no water to drink. So that's dangerous to be in a, in a wilderness, desert-type situation with no water. And it's, they're right on the edge, in effect, of death. And they come to this place that looks great. It's a, this great, you know, sort of uh, lagoon or lake or whatever it is. And uh, they can't drink the water, though, because it's filled with these minerals that, that make it bitter. That you can't drink it. It's not good for you. Uh, and so they have a problem. So they, they cry out to Moses, and Moses cries out to God. There's something in that. They should have cried out to God. But nonetheless... What does God do? So God shows Moses a tree. And in fact, that word show is, is not. He actually points to a tree. And that word point, it's a great word in the Hebrew. It's the word Torah. Now, we talked about Torah last week. And I said Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they, they sort of point to the way that you're supposed to live. But he uses that same word, God does, and he points to a tree. He, he tores Moses to a tree. Moses takes that tree and he throws that tree into the waters. And what happens to the waters? Bitter waters become sweet. Now think about a tree where something bitter leads to something sweet. And that's the cross. Something that, that causes death but now brings life. It's the cross. And see, the, this amazing picture is that the Torah points to the tree of life throughout that. And the tree of life that we lost access to in the garden is now the cross, and we have access to it because of Calvary. And see, that's the stories that are taking place in the Old Testament. And when you read that, it should just make you go, wow, this isn't just some sort of regular book. This is amazing. And those stories happen throughout as you read. But you have to dig in, and you have to read them and look for them and ask God to show you these things. Because it, it runs throughout the scripture and then third it says as you teach and admonish in all wisdom let me read you this verse out of james chapter 1 verse 22 and following do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So I was laughing about that. So many of you said happy birthday. Thank you. I turned 59 today. And, and I have this thing where... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
I look in the mirror. Now, do you ever make the mistake at my age? You never want to look at the mirror with your glasses on. And every now and again, they'll be on when I go in there. And I'm literally jump back like, who's looking at me in the mirror? Because when I walk away from the mirror, I, I lose 20 years. <laughs> And, and you put it on. That's one of the blessings of your eyesight not being what it used to be. Is the mirror time isn't as scary as it probably would be. But, but looking at the Bible is like, let me finish the verse. I digress. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, the, the scripture, it's more about just reading it. It's applying it. So that's this other part of this journey. We ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it, and we want, we want to read it, and we want to hear it. But then we want to apply it. Spiritual growth happens as we apply the Word of God to our lives. And, and so we need to be doing that. Now, because we talk about grace here all the time, and trust me, I'm a grace person. I'm all about grace. That doesn't mean that the word do is a bad word. Because, they're, they're, you know, we, we certainly should be people that do good works. And, and we should be people that do good things. But our motivation is different. See, we're not doing them to try and earn our salvation. We're doing them because we've already been freely given salvation. We do it in response to what he's done. And so all of this today, I just wanted to share this with you because it's so important. If I can just get you to be encouraged enough to take hold of the book and read it just every day, just spend some time in it. Let that time grow. When it becomes exciting for you, you'll, you'll spend more and more time in it. Until it gets there, understand that what's happening is the enemy doesn't want you to do it and he'll distract you and he'll he'll try and throw everything in your path so that you don't but press through sometimes if your only motivation is that the enemy doesn't want you to do it sometimes that's the best motivation for me i know this doesn't it makes him unhappy and I've, I've had enough of him stealing things away from me throughout the course of my life nothing else and so i'm going to dig in so i continue to press on and i want to encourage you to do the same thing because that's the, the such a neat part of this journey that we're in okay and don't lose sight of that all right i'm going to end it there ministry team those are here when you head over the wall People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. Let me pray for you as a group, and then we'll have lunch and uh, call it a day. Papa, thank you for your amazing love for us. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for your word and all that that means to us, God. And Lord, help us to, to dwell in your word and let it change us from the inside out. And, and Lord, not only that it would change us, but that it would impact the world around us for you. That you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. We ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome God. If you need prayer today for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today as well. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us here you've sinned. Asking God to forgive you what you do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it now. It's the best decision you will ever make. If you need help, just go over there and ask somebody. Just say, I want to know Jesus. And they'll help you with that prayer.
So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible, you are an awesome, awesome God. Praise God from whom all bless. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to debt. Prayer is over there. A lunch will be in the back as you go. Drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Have a great weekend. Get out there and catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Hope your driver wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.